0: The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and today's episode is number 137. And if you're listening to this episode on the day it goes up, it's Thanksgiving. And I would just like to say that We here at the Addiction Podcast are thankful to our sponsor, Narcanon Suncoast. We are thankful to all of the people that we have interviewed who are willing to share their story and tell how they made it to recovery and where they are at today and what they're doing. You know, we talk to people from various different backgrounds and you know they've all done a myriad of different Recovery programs or treatment programs or rehabilitation programs, and they and all of them have been very successful. but for a lot of people, they need something a bit more, and the Narconon program it utilizes an exact scientific methodology in their treatment and because it 's an exact methodology, if you will, that is kept very standard, they have a very high success rate. And so I think that if you're listening and you've had losses or your loved one who is addicted has had losses and not been able to get clean and sober through the recovery that they've tried, you might want to check out Narcanon. Now, today we're going to be talking to an Arcanon graduate, and the thing that I like about that is that he's going to tell us exactly how the program worked for him and what benefits he got from the program. I do wanna give you a heads up that Drew's story is quite long. This is an hour long podcast. And while I think that every piece of his story is riveting, if you aren't able to listen until the very end, please fast forward at some point and listen to where Drew is at today because that's kind of the whole point of today's podcast. And I think hearing it from a graduate, you know there's no comparison to what I might say about the program. And so let's talk to Drew. Drew, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us.
1: No problem. It's an honor to be on here.
0: Oh, thanks. You know, before um, you came on, and I'm going to take you back and have you tell us your story, but I, I just really wanted to make the point to our listeners that... While we have people on this podcast who have done a myriad of different treatment programs and they've been very successful with it, there are still a lot of people I think that are listening who have not had success with their treatment programs. And the reason why, I, one of the things I think sets Narconon apart is it has an exact scientific methodology for the treatment. And because of that, and because it's applied very standardly, you get a somewhat higher percentage of people who are successful with the program. And the reason why I like having someone like you on the podcast is because you can give your perspective of the Narconon program. I can talk about it and how wonderful it is and everything I know about it, but I have not personally myself done the program. So I always like it when we have a graduate such as yourself on the program.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Okay, so take us back to the beginning. How did you get started with drugs?
1: Um, I think the mindset of it, I think started before I actually ever did anything. Um, I grew up, life actually wasn't terrible. Um, it could always be worse. Um, but I grew up, my mom, great mom, she's a saint. Um, did more for me and my brother than I could ever imagine doing for anyone else. I know that sounds terrible, but, um, but my, my father, he's a, he's better now. Um, I think he had a substance abuse problem before I knew what it was. Um, mm. and, um, with psych drugs and so on and so forth. Um, and he had his, um, how would I say it? He had his downfall ups and downs too. Um, and I grew up with someone who was constantly on something um he wasn't like drunk or messed up at home around me, but he was always taking something to keep himself um either from being very angry um or it, he's more sedated, I would guess you'd say hmm. that whatever the doctors put him on sedated him to where he could be calm and sleep um, but I grew up, and I had that, and then I was put on a lot of um like Adderall, Ritalin, um, Vivance because I was told I had ADHD, and then at that point um, it was kind of like a standard. They tried with my brother, and then I, it was with, I was on it for a long time, um, and then I got through middle school doing that. And probably around I think somewhere my seventh grade year, um, I had went home and I like my dad's medicine cabinet was open and I was like wondering, um, I was like, what's this? So like I saw in his cabinet what it was, um, and there was Adivan, Ambien, Dilaudid, with numerous other things like Zoloft, um, a few other things, I don't remember exactly what they were, um, but I looked them up, those I can remember, and the ones that I was like, I did like looked up on my phone that, oh, this will get you, has a high to it, I tried them, and then at that point, I kind of like fell into the trap and liked them. Um, Cause I, in my mind, for me, what it did for me was like, oh, if it works for my dad and calms him down, like it makes him happy. Oh, it'll make me happy too. Um, and then that was the, that's where it kind of started. Um, after that, it got worse. Um, I remember probably about 15 or 16 I, when I was younger, before I can remember my dad was in and out of uh, psych wards. I think he had oh. went to one or two. Um, for long periods of time, not for a few days, he was in there for a little while but I do actually i think probably around eight was the one I remember. He was in there for a few months and i 'd go visit him and it was it was it was kind of crazy <laughs> seeing people that like that, and then him being in there it kind of like was like what 's going on i didn 't know at a young age, and it wasn 't stable for me um he was abusive um with me, my brother, my mom um and then At 16, everything was kind of okay for a little while, between about 9 or 10, until about 15 or 16, I had a basketball game, and me and my dad had been arguing a lot. I was real good at sports. That was, like, my way out. I didn't have to be around him. Um, I could be left alone and just shoot hoops or work out all day long and not have to, like, confront him. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did that, and I had a basketball game. We had gotten in big fights recently. Um, and he was like, yeah, I can't come to your game. I'm busy. I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm um, not a big deal. Um, but then me and my mom stopped at home after the game Had a great game, played really well. Um, and my mom comes out crying, she, like frantic. I've never seen her like that. Um, and she's like, your dad's, your dad's not good. Come inside, come inside. And we run inside and he's actually dead. Um, oh he OD would my, had, OD'd. my oh. father was, had no pulse at the moment. I don't think, um, when I got in, my mom called nine one one, I stayed with him. Um, and then they came to the house quickly. Um, they resuscitated him, um, and went to the hospital. And then I walked in his room looking like for clothes, trying to get a bag for him. Um, and then I found like his, his note and he actually was trying to kill himself.
0: Oh. Um,
1: and at that point it like, I. My dad didn't know it and my mom kind of did I always wanted to be like my dad my dad was real successful um, and a very strong willed person and he looked like he was always having a good time he had friends my mom was like always the strict one um, and would put put me and my brother's ethics in to some degree um, and be a, a a good role model I guess looking back at it now so it's like she was always kind of like the bad guy portrayed my dad was always portrayed as like this fun guy who has a really fun life and everything's good, but it's not that. Um, and I, I, I kind of like attached to that. So when that all happened, it hit me really hard. Mm. Um, and I kind of like, after that, he was in the hospital again for a long time. He's in a psych ward for a while. Um, but it was hard because not, not for the sense of like him not being there. It was hard because it was like that was an idol of mine for a while, um, and nobody messed with him. My dad was like very. I, I would consider him very powerful and no one messed with him. And I watched that go like, this is what's going on. And like, you just, we're going to up and leave me, mom, and my brother Jordan for, for what? And I had no clue. Like what was going on is like, I thought I did something cause we had been arguing um, and it was rough. And I was like, Oh, something's wrong. Um, so after that, it was just me and my mom and my brother, um, i played sports more. I started getting into other crowds. Um, I was real angry, um, but I hid it all for my mother um, because I knew what she was going through, having him, dealing with him, and then having my little brother and then me. um, I kind of went to the wayside because I made it seem like things were fine for me. Um, I just played sports and I'd stay at school and probably till nine or ten at night, some nights, even later than that, and just train and train and train and train and train. Um and then about probably about six months later I think um I started using probably a lot of vivants. I was smoking weed, um, drinking, um, taking Xanax and doing Coke. Um not not every day for some of those, um, but Vivants. Um and I was taking Atavant and it's almost daily. Um, But high school became not fun anymore. It's like life became a lot more real. Um, I didn't like being at home once he got back home because all I wanted to do was be violent with him because I became very angry um, with him because he would never like take responsibility. It was always like, oh, I was doing it um, to get life insurance money to help you and your mom. And I was like, well, that's funny because you don't get life insurance money when you commit suicide
0: that's right
1: so it was like I knew that and he was like always trying to make it like it was everyone else's fault that he had to work so hard and it's like I get it you did have to work hard but it's like putting blame on me my brother my mom and everyone else all I ever wanted to hear was hey I'm sorry I know that was hard for you to see right Um, and I I never got that and that's what I was sitting on I know like I could have probably let it go but I didn't um um and backtracking. It's like, I've seen, that wasn't like the first time I've seen someone dead. Um, I remember when I was five or six and one of my dad's apartments, my dad managed and owned property. Um, there was this girl who fell down the stairs, um, and she hit her head on the back of the doorknob and she was dead. I remember like seeing that when I was a kid and being around that situation with my dad, I'd went for him to go to pick up rent or something. Um, and it was like from that, I've seen things throughout my life when I was little that I probably shouldn't have seen at such a young age. Um, but it's like when I saw it with my dad, it was a little more significant just because he was my dad. Right. Um, and that sat with me for a real long time, not being able for him to like take responsibility. Um, so it's just like, I justified my drug use and I was like, you know what, if it's fine for him to do it and there's no repercussions, it's like, so be it. So anytime he tried, like I'd come home high. Um, he tried to tell me something and I'd be like, you don't really have much room to talk. Um, we get no yeah. arguments, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see how that would be.
1: Yeah. Um, and then it was fine for a while. I got in a relationship. Um, well, actually, before that, it was like I was bringing girls in and out of the house. Um, wasn't in any relationships with them, just having sex and hooking up and living a real fast life. Um, then my senior year, I actually. Did so much like I stopped training actually, I stopped- working hard for sports, um started hanging out with the wrong crowd and started doing drugs a lot more, doing xanax a lot more, doing cocaine a lot more um and then i my grades got so bad that I got kicked off the basketball team midway through the year um and that like even hit me harder, but it was like I was the one that was responsible for it. I just didn't see it that way right. Um, and then um, I was like, you know what? Uh, it's like the only thing I wanted. And then drugs got even worse. I just kept going to that. Um, and then I got in this relationship with this, this girl. Um, and it was like it kind of slowed me down. I stopped using as much, I guess. Um, and then after a while, I was like, I thought that was like, oh, I'm going to get clean now. Da 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 da. Um, it was like the problem actually never got handled. It was just something that could like, it was just another vice, I guess you'd say. It was just something that like, sh- get my attention off of it for a little while. But when I wasn't with her, that's what I wanted to do. Because um, then I still had to be at home and confront that I like had a dad that was like, willing to throw everything away for whatever reason that was, which we, none of us knew. Right. Because it was a different story every time I talked to him about it, or he'd run around and beat her on the bush about it and then get angry and then we get an argument and then nothing would get handled. Um and then I started using drugs behind her back, selling drugs behind her back. Um and then I I didn't actually graduate that year. Um I failed out of I think two classes. Um and for my mom, actually that was probably the hardest thing. Um, mm. Because all all the while my mom worked 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 just for me and my brother to succeed. Um, Because we weren't the best kids growing up. You know, we were always, we were in trouble a lot. Um, And it's probably because um, it's like, it was always like, if my mom was like, oh, y'all are punished, my dad was like, no, you're not. So it was like, I was never really punished. I never had consequences. Um, And that set me up for failure, I think, moving forward. Um, I thought I was in, untouchable, you know? Yeah. And then, so when that happened, I remember the last day of high school, I took my final exam. Um, I came home and me and my dad got in this big fight. We almost got in a fist fight in the front yard. Um, it, it pretty much went to that actually. Um, and my mom came home, my brother's inside crying and it's all over my, all over my girlfriend. My girlfriend's crying. Cause my dad yelled at her and mm. got, was real rude and disrespectful um and then my mom comes home to that and I think that was the last straw and she just walked she was like I'm done and she left and then it's just me my brother my dad and my girlfriend and then I left and that was like my last day at high school um and then I just left my brother there and I was like screw it um my mom ended up leaving for the summer and l- lived with someone else, and then it just made things worse. It was always like I was stuck in the middle of there too. Like, oh, your dad's this. Oh, your mom's this. When it's like, that's all I was ever. That's the only conversations I had that summer. It Was never how are you and your brother doing? My mo- my mom would ask how we were doing because she cared a lot, um, mm-hmm. and she would check in on us and do whatever we needed. But it was always I always got stuck in the middle, and I right. like it was never like what's going on in your life. Um so, I started at that rate um probably midway, well, actually, I went to summer school, finished one of the classes um I could only do one of them then, after that, I did the online class to finish my other class that I failed so I could get a high school diploma um I did that um my mom and them had got back together all the while i'm getting drunk, staying out late every night, using coke um Doing actually whatever drug I can get my hand on at the time. Um, but doing fine financially. Um, I was working. My dad, actually, I'd always get paid really well working for him. Um,
0: what did your dad do, Drew?
1: And manage and own property. Oh, um, that's so, what like, you he, said yeah. he had like hotels he'd manage, um, rental property, houses. So, I'd cut the grass, do maintenance, paint, um, really, whatever was needed. So, I got paid pretty well to do it, and he always had work. So, um, I I was never without a job or work. Um, So, and I I started selling a lot of drugs at this time. I started meeting a lot. I had a lot of friends that I played basketball with growing up from um, rougher sides of town. Um, So, I had connections with large amounts of drugs that I could get um, for pretty cheap. So, I started doing that and selling drugs. Then, I think about halfway through that year after being out of high school, I started a lawn care company. Um, I started cutting grass and doing all that while still selling drugs. Um, then I got my own house. Um, and that's actually when things got worse. Um, I got my own house with one of my friends, um, two of my friends, actually. Um, and then I had that, a pressure. I had, did pressure washing too and landscaping. Um, but I was also starting to do Coke a lot more than I did before. Mm -hmm. So the more I started doing it, I started realizing how expensive it was. So I started buying it in bulk and selling it. Um, and my Coke problem got real out of hand.
0: Wow. Um,
1: still had the girlfriend, um, cheating on her regularly. Um, I was out of control. My relationship with my mom, Became to get real bad. Um, Wouldn't hang out with her, wouldn't do anything with her. She tried to come over, wouldn't let her in the house. Um, Argued a lot more. Um, Dad, just trying to help any way he can, just so he can be around. Um, But I still had like a lot of animosity still to him years later. Um, Then one night I'd gotten an argument with him. And my mom and I got I just left um and one of my friends had rocks a, a Roxy um and I started doing
0: What's that? Oh, heroin.
1: Uh somewhat like heroin, it's a pill. Oh, um, okay. And I it's, I started off smoking them um and then probably a few days later I started shooting them. Um I had never used needles before. Um but I started shooting them and that's when I think everything from there on out went downhill for me. Um, it wasn't good before, but I think at that point, um, it was, I was stuck. There was no turning back for me at that point. Um, I was getting into fights all the time. Um, people owed me money. I would go get it. If they didn't have it, then, um, I'd get violent. Um but after that I was stuck. And then probably about three weeks later I remember that, and it's like it was yesterday, it's like one of the few memories I can remember from that far back. Um was my brother walked in one day after school and I was in the bathroom getting tied off and had a needle in my arm. Um and he just walks in and the door is wide open and he's looking at me as I have a needle in my arm. And I was like, Oh God. Wow. And I just saw the look on his face. Um, it was like, we smoked weed together here and there. And it's like, back then that wasn't a big deal. But when he saw that, it was, um, the look on his face was like disgusted with me.
0: That was a big deal. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and then I tried to stop for a little bit after that happened. Just because it was like, I knew what that did to him. Um, it's probably no better for him seeing that than all the other stuff he's seen growing up. Right. Um, uh, and then it just made our relationship real weird after that. He started using a little bit more, um, like spice and weed. Um, and we didn't hang out as much. Um, our relationship kind of got kind of like started drifting away, I guess you'd say, just like all my other ones started doing mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize it. Um, and then everything. started Kept doing good. Then I moved back. I uh, moved out, kind of stayed with my girlfriend because she moved to Baton Rouge. I go live with her for a while, and then come back, and then keep doing that um, for a few years, doing the same routine. Um, then in 2014, um, I got in a real bad car accident. Um, I went pick up three friends. Um, and i had started smoking spice um a little bit and i just smoked and i was probably i was speeding pretty heavily i was going about 30 over the speed limit and this car cut me off and i saw that it had like a baby on board sign mm-hmm. my only option was to hit the car or hit the ditch oh. um so i hit the ditch um doing about 70 um I was the only one that didn't have a seatbelt on and I went flying all over the truck. We flipped the truck. Um, and um, one of my friends at almost died in the car accident. The other of us were all fine. Um, I was banged up, um, but I went to jail for DUI, uh, my first one. Um, but uh, it could have been worse because two of them if things went a little differently, wouldn't be here today, and I would still probably be in jail or prison. Um, yeah.
0: Well, and, and the other worst. thing was if you'd hit the other car, you might have hit right. other people.
1: Right, or a baby. Yeah. Um, and actually, the wreck happened in front of my parents' neighborhood. So all my brother's friends, I lived in kind of a smaller town. I had friends pass by, and they drove to my parents' house, and were like, "Jersey's flipped his truck, da 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 so my mom and them pull up, and I got. that's when I started getting mistreated by the police. Um, I was real high. Um, I just flipped my truck. I had, got a concussion, didn't know what was going on. Um, I got put in the back of a cop car um, to get detained, and the cop car was off. Um, I started like hyperventilating. This is in the middle of summer in Louisiana, so oh, it was okay. real hot. Yeah. I started spinning and throwing up all over the cop car. They pull me out, um, start giving me a hard time about that, um, and then it just got worse from there. They tried making me do like uh, walk in a straight line, the pen test, and I started like dry heaving and throwing up because I started spinning more. Um, They're real rude to my mom and my mom just wanted to see if I was okay, which set me off because um, the cop put a, put hands on my mother, and which set me off because um, mm-hmm. I'm very I was very defensive. Um then I went to jail that night. Um, didn't know if I was getting out or not because one of my friends was in ICU. Um and luckily he he got out and everything was fine. Um and then I got out, but um that didn't open my eyes at all. I was still like, Oh, it's everyone else's fault, it was that car's fault, um, not my responsibility at all. Um, but I was in a lot more pain um, and I had had concussions from playing sports that I, I don't like that weren't ever recorded. Um, that was probably my sixth one after the wreck. Wow. Um,
0: and they, you say they weren't recorded. Does that mean you didn't get any treatment for them?
1: No. Um, okay. and sometimes I didn't say anything about them either. Okay. Um, I had gotten cut concussions from fights too, um, things of that sort or, and nodding out and falling on my face. Um, but that that was the sixth one. And then moving forward from that, I was in a lot of pain, so I started doing painkillers. Anything I can get my hands on. Um, then I turned to heroin um, pretty quickly after that.
0: So how old were you then? Like I was, you had the car accident. And then- that was
1: 2014, so I was probably... Now I'm 26, so let's. I was 21. about 20, 21. 21. Yeah, um, that was about 21. Um, I had things under control to some degree then, um, and that's when everything went started going downhill. My relationship with my girlfriend wasn't great before, but then it just started to subside. Um, I could tell on her face, like she was going somewhere. She was going to school to be a nurse, and I was at one point going somewhere, had my own business or businesses, and then everything started going backwards for me and progressing for her. And I could just see that it was not going anywhere. Um, and after about a year or so more, we split, um, which to some degree was like real weird. Cause it was hard for me. Cause I like was like, uh, it was real significant. And it was like hard for me to deal with that. But then it was just like, I think it was just cause I was comfortable and I'd been with her for a while. Um, and she had, we were together through my like worst years, I guess you would say, or I thought my worst years. Um, but I think as bad as it was, it was like when we split, um, I actually went off the rails even harder. Um, I didn't have to hide anything anymore. I could do this all the time now. Um, so for about a year or two, everything stayed the same, I guess you'd say. Um, constantly using, um, creating upsets everywhere I went, not hanging out with my family as much, um, using behind their back, um, so on and so forth, going out every night, staying out every night. Um, then when I was 20, I want to say 20, between 22 and 23 was my worst year. Um, I started having seizures, um, um, I think the end of 22 and 23 was probably the worst years. Wow.
0: Um,
1: I started doing so so much Xanax that I start I like my I remember the day my brother told me he's like you need to stop like you're you act you don't even know what you're doing most of the time and you don't remember anything. Um, so I quit like I was like oh I'm gonna get clean now quit cold turkey. Um, actually I'll take that back I went to my first rehab after the DUI by the way didn't do anything for me I was using. It was like an outpatient um, okay. rehab that I had to go to um, uh, every other day or something like that, um, and I'd go. I would go high. Um, it didn't do anything to me for me. It was a joke. Um, that's my first one. Um, after that, back to the Xanax. Um, I quit cold turkey. I went to a club that night. It had been about three days, um, and I started feeling really odd. I was taking probably about six, seven or eight a day um
0: and you just quit
1: quit cold turkey stop wow all i was doing then was i was doing coke meth heroin and xanax um here and there ecstasy and molly um
0: and did you quit everything or just the xanax
1: um just the xanax and the heroin and i kept doing the coke to keep me up okay um and the meth but that night I started feeling bad. Like I started getting real, I was throwing up before, but I felt real odd, not dope sick. I felt another type of way um, the whole day. And I just was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I had went out feeling terrible, started drinking. Um, it helped for a little bit. Um, but I was in the club and the the lights had hit my eyes weirdly at one point And I like, like started to lose my balance. Um, and then it came back around and then I blacked out and I ended up having a seizure in the club. Luckily I knew the owner and had friends that worked there. My brother was by, um, and they took me outside. Um, I'd hit my head really hard, um, and had another concussion. Um, so I went to the hospital. Luckily the ambulance, the guy that was in the ambulance, they took me to the side of the club. Um, knew my family. And he was like, you're either getting in the ambulance or you're getting a ride to the hospital one way or the other. Um, So I went to the hospital. um...
0: Just a reminder that you are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For further information on the podcast, you can go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or you can find us on our Facebook page by the same name, or you can call us at 727 314 7080 or you can email us to theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. For further information on Narcan on Suncoast, call 1 877 339 3324. That's 1 877 339 3324. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call one 833 918 0008 today, and say the word podcast and get a ten percent discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com dot com. That's newmanintervention dot com, and type in the word podcast for a ten percent discount. This service comes with a free one hour consultation with Bobby.
1: Then I went home. And then i start they started doing more testing on me um and then they said I had like syncope or something like that I just blacked out okay. because i wasn't because I wasn't telling them that I was actively <laughs> using xanax and coming I, off of it.
0: I get it, so they they're just going by what they can see, and they don't know what's contributing to it
1: I get right, it. well, the doctors were like it doesn't make sense. that's what they were coming to. um They did say I had like a lot of swelling in my brain, but nothing that I was not epileptic or anything like that. Um, so they just said it was syncope. I'd black out. Um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that makes sense. (sighs) So then I started taking the Xanax again and I was living in Baton Rouge and I started selling a lot of Coke. I go to Houston, pick up a decent amount of Coke, come back, cut it, um, sell it. And that's how I was living. Okay. Um, and my mom what what ended up happening? Oh, I got another DUI. Um, actually, I'd went I'd go from Baton Rouge to Louis Lafayette, back to Houston, and in very short periods of time, I'd be in Houston for a few hours, drive all the way back, and then make it back to work in Baton Rouge. Um, and then I'd go to Lafayette most nights after I get off work to sell or go out, um, and make more money. And one night I got too messed up, and I left downtown. Um, I took a lot of Xanax, more than what I normally do, um, and I was driving without my lights on. And the same cop that arrested me the first go-around arrested me the se- pulled me over the second. Um, and he was like, "Drew, what are you doing?" I was like, "He's like, you're 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 messed up right now, aren't you?" I said. I looked at him. He's like, "We can do it the easy way or the hard way. Which way do you want to do it?" I said, "What's the easy way?" And he's like, "You can put your handcuffs in the front or in the back." I said, "Let's just do it in the front." And then he tried to, he's like, before that, we need to do the test. So they like had me walk a line, couldn't walk a line, did the, the pin test didn't work. And so I went, um, downtown they were nice enough to move my truck. They moved it in a parking lot for me and they didn't even bother to search it. Wow. Um, I had had three ounces of cocaine in the back under the back seat. Um, and I had over a hundred Xanax in my center console. Um, they moved it so it wouldn't get towed. Um, they knew my dad well. Um, my dad was always in court, um, getting people evicted or handling stuff with his rental property so they knew him well. Um, so I guess they were being nice. Um, so I got my second one and then at some point in time between all of this, after I got out, um, I was like, you know, I, I need, I don't like this anymore. I don't like that. Like, actually, I remember I got off, there was a flood in 2015. Um, and I was stuck in my apartment and all I could do was do drugs, 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 drugs. And at one point in time, I don't know what it was, but I started to like, I like looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I don't like who I am anymore. It's like, I actually had the, I think I had the realization that I was like, you know, I'll never have a family and this life for me is going to end up with me getting killed, ODing or in prison. Um, and all the while, like in the past years, I've had friends get murdered, um, OD, Um, saw one of my friends get killed, um, one of my close friends. And that's when I went off the deep end and started using Xanax way more. Um, and I was like, you know, I'll never have a family and I either need to be coming okay with never having a family, dying soon, getting, or being in prison for the rest of my life. And I was like, you know, it's like, I started like my mom, I don't know what I was doing. I actually, I think I took acid or shrooms and started having a trip, but started like all of that. It got really emotional. Um, and after I sobered up from that, I started really looking at it. I was like, you know, like the way I'm going, is like, all I'm going to be is someone that works a nine to five job with no purpose, um, no family. It's like what, what woman wants to marry someone who's a drug dealer who can't get his, his life together. Um, that's okay. always in the streets that has to walk around with a gun in his waistband all the time. Um. It's like, what's what's professional or respectable about that? It's like, my mother didn't raise me this way. It's like, I'm actually doing a disservice to her at this point. Um, and that's when I started to really, like, I was like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like the way I feel. I hate myself. Um, and everything started coming down. The drugs couldn't hide that from me anymore because I had to live with like that every day. So for about a week or two, I tried to just go to work, do the normal go out every night and I was like, you know what? It's like I don't even have any I started looking at it, I was like I started texting my brother to hang out with my brother and them and it's like I wouldn't even get responses back anymore. Mm. Um the only people that would start talking to me were people that wanted drugs from me or people that wanted to get high with me. Um or when I was at the club wanted some drugs from me or I had a lot of money so I'd buy shots for everyone. And I was like, Oh I thought I had a lot of friends but I went to bed either with some chick I didn't know every night or alone and I had no one. Um, And it was just me. Um, So that was
0: kind of like like your point of no return.
1: Yeah, that was about my point of no return. Um, I started actually having seizures um, in my apartment. I had two more um, when I started taking, like some nights I took Xanax and I'd have a seizure and I'd just wake up on the floor. Um, And I didn't know what happened. Um, it's not that I blacked out I was like fully aware I did coke and then I took a few Xanax and within 20 minutes I was like out I'd like it was like the same feeling I had when I was in the club um mm-hmm. and my whole body would like you know like when you have convulsions I don't know if you that's ever happened but if when I had convulsions my body was so stiff and it would hurt um my head would hurt my mouth would hurt um and I I wouldn't call my mom or anything I just get back up and do the usual. Um, mm-hmm. But that was my point of, like, no return. Um, And I called my mom. I was like, you know, I want to get clean, but not really, because then that means I have to be, like, vulnerable. So I started – I went to this place called Victory in Lafayette. Um, And it's, like, great. It's great. It works for some people. But when I went there, um, nothing worked for me. I was like, this is a joke. And I stopped going. What Um,
0: is it? Is it it, uh, it a 12-step or –
1: yeah, I believe so. Okay. Um, and that I did the outpatient again. Um, okay. I went to meetings. It was a little more intense than the other one with the DUI. Um, and I was like, I don't like this. This is a joke. This isn't doing. I just sit here and hear all of these depressing stories. And it's like, I don't want to be here. Right. Um, and then I moved back home probably for a little while, not too long. And then I was, my mom still was like, do you want to get treatment? And then my aunt Renee, um, I hadn't talked to them in years and got in touch with me and her son was a drug addict. He was, he went to probably 14, 15 rehabs, I think. Um, and the only one that worked apparently was Narconon. Um, and I actually like looked at him as an idol growing up cause he was always sold a lot of, he sold drugs and, um, had fast cars, nice cars, and a lot of money, and that's the lifestyle I liked. Um, and she was like, "Yeah, this works." And they started like telling me about the program and everything and how long it was. And I was like, "Oh my God, I don't know about that." <laughs> and it really wasn't that long, actually. It was just like for me, that seemed forever. You know, seventy to ninety days seemed like a lifetime to me. Right. Um, and I was like, "No, nah, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that." And then I talked to her. And I love my Aunt Renee. She's actually one of the few people she doesn't – she had enough – me and her had a close enough relationship that it didn't matter that it had been a few years. She knew I was a a junkie and a drug addict. Um, But she could tell me whatever it was, and I wouldn't get upset. Like the things my mother would try to tell me or if my dad would try to tell me, she could tell me, and it was okay, and I wouldn't get ridged up. Right, Um, right. She was like a mediator for our family a mm-hmm. lot of times. Um, there you go. And so I was like, you know what, let's do it. And the thing that sold me, and I don't know why it sold me. It was real weird. I was at home. I came home to like have a dinner with my family and brother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't. I mean, there was food there. But it um, wasn't that. They had been talking to Narconon. Um, and I had talked to this um, girl, Diana, Louisiana, Narknon, Louisiana. That's where I did my program. Um, and, uh, I started talking to her on the phone and it just like uh, the, what I heard from someone that didn't know me at all was like a genuine care, um, to get me into treatment. Um, but like wanted to know what was going on in, with me in my personal life. Um, and it's like I didn't have that when I went anywhere else. And I also didn't have that with anyone else in my life besides my mother at the time um, and my dad to some degree. Um, and we were still at, by the way, like me and my dad still, that wasn't handled yet. Right. For me. Um, so I was like, you know what, let's do it. I was like, but you know what, I'm going Sunday. And it was a Wednesday. I remember it. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm not going today. And I was like, you know, if anyone comes here, it's not going to be pretty.
0: Had to um, have your last hurrah.
1: Right. Well, um, I actually didn't have much of a last hurrah. I just wanted to go out and mess with chicks. Um, cause I was at that point, I was afraid to do anything with Xanax. Um, cause I didn't want to have any more seizures.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and so everything came Sunday came and I went to Narconon. Um, my dad started crying, which was odd for me. Um, cause I was still his firstborn kid, you know, it was like, I could see it now. Um, mm-hmm. my mom and them were happy um finally and they I went I got there and it was like actually like as not well as I was doing when I got there and like I was in that in environment with the people that worked there for only about 5 or 10 minutes I already started feeling better like life about me, you know. I felt like I was finally I, don't, I actually don't know the feeling I was feeling. It was one that I hadn't felt in years. Um, wow. I so numb. I didn't feel anything. I didn't have to feel anything, but I started feeling like my body started tingling. I was happy, which is real weird, as <laughs> crappy as I was feeling, um, but I was happy. I got through the withdrawal part. Um, it wasn't easy, um, but I like it was um, – It was actually pretty cool to kick without anything and get vitamins and have someone there that actually got me through it. Um, like I remember like I, I was someone that never slept. I still up until about the past six months. I was never someone that slept as a child without drugs. Um, Mm -hmm. I could stay up till three or four and then go to work at seven and be fine and not need to sleep. Um, my dad was that way too. Um, and that's why he was mostly on most, a lot of the medication he was on. Um, But when I got there, I was like, yeah, I don't sleep much. And they're like, why, because of the drugs? I was like, no, not because of – well, probably because of the drugs too, but I just never slept. Well, I started um, getting – I had, like, pains in my back um, from the car accident and other injuries I've had. Um, And one of the withdrawal specialists there actually started giving me um, the assist. Mm -hmm. Um, And that actually – like calmed my body down took the pain away and I actually like fell asleep within I remember the night it, it was um it was I fell asleep within like 35 minutes and then I woke back up on the table and he was like are you he looked I was like I'm just gonna lay down and go sleep and I went to sleep at like nine thirty at night like that was the first time I went to bed at 9 nine thirty in, in eight nine years wow um, it was really awesome at the time my nose was like I was never sick but my nose was so stopped up um, because I got my nose broken and I had like cocaine stuck in um, or whatever it was cut with stuck in my nasal cavities. So it's not like I had a cold, Um, (laughs) but it wasn't a cold. It was just like stuff stuck in my sinuses and it cleared out um, a little bit. And then I got through the withdrawal with the locationals and the assist. It really helped me get out of like I don't think I ever had like a, de- a time where I was in withdrawal where I was like depressed. I was like, oh, my life sucks. It was always moving forward at that point, which was weird for me because I haven't had that. I didn't have that since I was probably about before 16 when I saw what my dad OD'd. Um, right.
0: I'm going to stop you for one second because I want to make sure that the listeners um, understand a couple of those terms. So, a locational is a procedure that's done during the withdraw at Narconon and can be done other times as well. That get the student to uh, get his attention off of what's happening with his body and more on the environment. Correct. And yep. And the assist also just helps. Calm the body because um, obviously, when someone goes through withdrawal, there's there's ill effects of the drugs that now come up in the body, and so Narcanon instead of giving another drug, you know they use vitamins and minerals and sleep and good food, but also assists which kind of help the body relax and be able to go through these things. I just want to clarify because the listeners they're not going to necessarily know what those are anyway, go
1: ahead. Um, and I was at a point where I was like, you know, it's, I felt like I was moving forward. Like there was something happening in my life where like, I didn't think of like how all the things I had been doing, how like terrible of a person I was anymore. I was like, I felt like I was a new already at that point. I felt like something new of myself. Um, but I was also in an environment of people who were, um, How would I say this? I was in an environment with people that um cared but were also good people. Mm. Um people that had like positive a positive viewpoint on life instead of one that's always like screw everyone else, um life's unfair, um, it's just the way it is type of thing. Right. Um, or very suppressive individuals, which what I was I was used to being around. Right. Um so being around that it like brought me um my viewpoint on life was like, wow, like this is real. The thing that I was like, oh, I'll never have might be real for me now. I might not have to go to prison. I might not have to OD. I might not have to end up like getting killed or murdered um, because for me, that was really real.
0: That's major. I mean, that's, that's a major realization because – yeah, I can just see how the whole, you know, the pathway with drugs, you just get into such deep, dark despair. And to finally realize that you've got a future, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was, and that was in withdrawal. Um, that's oh, wow. what I started <laughs> you as hadn't I'm even withdrawing. The
0: program, <laughs> no.
1: Um, but when my, my cousin also worked there at the time, he was working there at the time, so okay. it was like it was new for me that I was like, I haven't seen him since I was 13, and now we're re like, he's clean now, and I'm getting clean, and like. Oh, this is really good. Um, so I had family there that I like, I, me and him were really close. I loved him a lot. Um, and he was there to help me. Um, and then I got in a sauna and at, I was in sauna close to like, I think 40 something days. Wow. Um, but I never, I have never felt as good as I did during and after sauna. I'm sure there were some rough days. Um, but my my nose was always stuffed up for about a year and a half, two years, um, and that actually cleaned up. My nose was better. Um, uh, what else happened? My skin and, like, eyes. That was the one thing. My eyes. My mom, like, started crying when she saw me when I was about to finish sauna because, like, the eye, my eyes looked like they did when I was a baby, and she hadn't seen that since I was probably, like, 14 years old. Oh, wow. Um, they were so clear she could actually see me there. Um, wow. Yeah, it was like she – I don't know. For her, it was – I'd look at myself every day, and I, I could tell I looked better. I was more alive. My skin looked better. I looked healthier. I felt healthier. Um, I felt like I did when I was, like, 14 or 15. I had more energy to do anything. I mean, felt like I could do anything at that point physically. Wow. Um, but when my mom saw me, it had been over a month. Um, first thing she started doing was crying because, it, like, I looked – I didn't look anything like I did when they dropped me off. Um, wow. And it it was, it's like she got her son back there and I wasn't yeah. even done yet. I hadn't even handled anything yet with them. Um, and then I moved through the program. You well, know, you'd
0: handled the physical aspects, right. Right? but you hadn't handled any of the spiritual or emotional or mental yeah. aspects of it. So, but the physical aspects, now I can see that that would make a big difference in how you looked.
1: Right. Um, and I was someone like, at that point, I was kind of in—I wouldn't say trouble, because like you don't really get in trouble on the program. You know what I mean? That you don't look at it as like a punishment. That—that's the thing that I liked. Was there were more in like, if this person's doing this, it's like, let's see what's going on with them and talk to them. because right. They've been punished. They're, people try to punish them their whole lives, and that doesn't work. Right. Um. So I'd have a, a counselor get with me, and be like, Drew. What's going on? Why are you, What's going on that you're acting like this? What caused that? What's going on? Let's handle it. And I was like, that was real foreign to me. And then once it was handled and I talked it out and like, there was a handle, like I had an upset with someone, well, let's handle the upset and you all two sit down and talk it out. What were you upset about? And let's do this in a real like civil way. And after that there was no more upset and things were handled and there was no more like animosity after that. Wow. And that was like mind blowing to me that I was like, Oh wow. Everything could just be handled with communicating with one another without like having to make someone wrong. Um, which was foreign for me, um, but then I got to the second part of our program, which was like handling more of the, um, I, I was mental to some degree. Um mental, the ob-
0: the objective yeah, drills?
1: Mental um, or emotional side of things, um, and I was someone that had anger problems. Um, I'd get off at the mouth real quick, um, and I got to objectives, and I thought. Everything in my life was easier than objective. I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather go back to I'd rather go back to jail than do it. Um, but little did I know that was like that was my first day in there. And then I had first or second day in there, and then I had a staff member sit with me um and tell me. He was like and I kept telling him I was like jail's better he's like, Yeah, but you know why that is? It's because you don't have to confront anything in there. You don't have to look at anything. See that's what you're right. running into is yourself and nothing else but that he's like, you need to look deep in and start confronting everything you're trying to run from. Cause that's what you're running into is you're trying to run in one way and you're actually trying, what this is doing is putting you in a, going the other way instead of mm-hmm. trying to run back to what you know and what's safe. You need to turn around and run the other way and start taking this and using it and actually confronting everything you're choosing not to. And you probably start liking it a little bit more. Um, and from that point on, it wasn't easy, but it, it, life, my, like my, I wasn't charged up anymore. I wasn't angry anymore. Once I was done with it, um, I could have calm cycles that didn't end in arguments or communication with people on, for calm cycles. Right. Um, sorry. Um, but I could talk with people or someone could actually give me constructive criticism without me getting heated <laughs> or popping off the mouth. Right. Um,
0: Wanting to punch him.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, But I could have anything. Like I could, I felt like I could accomplish anything. Um, That all the things that I had set up as like safe points for myself, for things like if something were to happen, this is how I'm going to act because it works and it makes me okay. Um, Even though it like could cause damage to other people or whatever um, was gone. It was like, I finally learned how to like confront everything in my life that I chose not to. Um, and handle it. Um, and after, after objectives, I didn't feel like there was nothing in my life that could stop me. If I made it through this and confronted all of this that I fronted, I I couldn't confront before. Um, nothing in life is going to be as difficult as confronting all the things I've done now moving forward because I'm not going back to what I was. Right. That's Um, major.
0: I mean, that's another just major life-changing, life-changing realization. Yeah.
1: Something I would have ne- like something I've would have never had, or someone like on a on any other. I feel like on any, and not to bash any other program because whatever works for someone works. That's all I want is people to get clean.
0: Exactly. I
1: just don't feel like you have these types of realizations without going through the these steps of these programs the way they're set up. Right. Um, and it's like I'm not the only individual that's ever had them. I've had right. friends that I went through the program with that were having the same ones as me. Right, um, or something similar. Um, but it's like I never had these thoughts before moving forward—that life could be something good for me, that I could have a life, that I could have a family. Um, I still wasn't at the point of like wanting one, but it's like it was real that I could now. Yes, because I don't have drugs. I don't have to hide this from my kids or my wife or whatever. Um, and then I went on to the life skills part of the program. Um and this is the part that my cousin had told me so much about he was like drew everything builds up to the back end of the program um but the one thing i'll tell you is you need to be honest and open up about everything and you will be clean and i promise you that he said don't hold anything back And i said okay so i did that um and the one thing about me and it was kind of weird um I won't like, it was weird for me as violent and disrespectful as I could be. um, I wasn't that way with women. Um, Mm -hmm. My mom kind of raised me the right way. I mean, I sure I'd hook up with them and all that, but I'd never um, curse them out, get violent with them, put my hands on them. Um, But with men, if I felt threatened, it was like, I I had to be the alpha male and I wasn't going to be the beta male. (laughs) Um, So it was like my the person that worked with me, my counselor was a female. Um, and she was really good. Um, we started doing my life story. Um, we started talking about my life. You know, I started telling her like I'm doing right now. Um, and then it came time to like confront the personalities in, in my life, like people in my life, either the people that I was going to be, um, Like, you know, it was time for me to handle and take responsibility for all the damages I created.
0: Right. Because
1: I sure created a lot. Um, Then I finally, at this point, something that had been, I was probably about 24, that I had been holding on to for about eight, nine years. Situation with my dad finally came to a conclusion and handled. Um, Something I couldn't confront and chose not to and just um, thought would go on a lifetime. We'd never handle it. Um, finally got handled, um, to where me and him now talk regularly, um, where like, I actually want him involved in my life. Um, where it's like, you know, it's like, all I needed to hear was like, what was going on? You know, it's like, was it my fault? Um, that's what I wanted to know It's like, what did I do? What was my fault? Was it my fault? what was going on for you? I just need to hear something that wasn't a lie and fake that it was like, I was trying to do it for y'all when it's like, no, you weren't. Um, And I finally got that. And I think for him, it actually did some good too, which was weird. Um, You know, it's like, he wasn't even on the program, but at that point it was like, I think something happened for him in his life uh, where things turned around. Um, Because now we talk and we actually want each other's company as much as before. it It wasn't like that. And now my mom and him's relationship's even better. Um, wow. My brother, all of us now, it's like everything um, has changed for our whole family, not just me. It was like me going to rehab. It was kind of like I was the black sheep of the family, even with all the animosity and things that went on. Once I went, everything turned around for our family in that moment, like in that one moment, once me and my dad handled that, um, my mother's life at home became easier with him and it came better and they're doing great my brother is like everything's going better for him now wow Um, but i i didn't have relationships with them i barely talked to my brother i barely talked to my dad i'd always talk to my mother even if it wasn't good um and on that back end of the program when i had to confront that and handle all that they wanted to talk to me more right they were like oh wow you did all that that's um," because most people don't call to tell you i want to clean up what i did even if it was four years ago, you know?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: And uh that happened, did that, I ended up cleaning up everything. Um, and then I confronted all the other things I did in my life. Um, all of my harmful acts that I I did to society, friends, people I didn't know, um and I ended up handling all of those. Um and that felt I had more relief from that and my responsibility level grew so much from doing that. Um I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I was like, I, I want to stay. I don't want to leave this. <laughs> um, but to spin, to a spinoff on this, um, before I even did that, I forgot to mention this. I always forget about this. The day I finished objectives, I had to go to jail. I had to leave the oh. program and go to jail. Oh, no. For about a week, a week and a half. Um, for my second DUI, I had to go. I got sentenced for like seven or eight days. So I went to jail. And when I was in there, I was like, dude, this used to be nothing for me. And, like, I was around friends. I was actually in jail with friends, and I was like, I don't want this to be my life anymore. I was clean. I was actually clean. I got offered to do drugs in jail. I didn't do it. Um, but I was like, I don't want this anymore. This is the life I'd – like, doing time before this was, like, nothing for me. I was like, you know, if I got go to do 20, 20 years, that's fine with me. But when I got in there, even for seven days, I was like, I don't want this anymore. Right. This life, This is this is where I'm going to end up forever.
0: What an experience to – be now you're clean and you've done the sauna talks and you've done the objectives and now you have to go into jail i mean what an experience
1: yeah but it was real eye-opening and i think for me it was, it was what i needed too yeah um, because at that point i wasn't at the point of wanting to stay at Narcon, i was uh, like i'm gonna go back home um and and work and make more money and be successful um but at that point i was like you know what i'm gonna stay I'm not doing this. I need to be around these people because when I got to jail and I was like around the people I used to be around, I was like, Jesus, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be around them. Like it was hard for me to be around them because I wasn't like that anymore. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be violent anymore. I didn't want to be like that anymore um, because that really wasn't me. All of that was just to protect someone that like protect the, the fake persona that I had put on for so many years. Right. Um, because I like, I actually wanted to help people. I didn't want to fake and be violent and hurt other people my, my whole life. It was just the way I like set it up. Um, so I did a, a, the life skills part. I went back, and I was like, you know what? I'm staying. And they're like, well, you've been getting in trouble, so you're going to have to stop acting out <laughs> and, and all that. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to get in any more trouble. I just want to stay. Um, so I finished my program, um, and I petitioned to stay. And, um, luckily I got to stay, um, and it wasn't easy because I, um, during that process, it's like, there's things that come up for you even after the program, you know, it's like, we're human beings. So it's like, I, there's more things, you know, it's like, I ran into more things after it's like, you know, I was always with a counselor. I was always one-on-one, but I hadn't got to the point where I like, I went off on my own and started working now, even though I was still at Narcanon. Now I'm working and there's things that I get re-stimulated to.
0: Right. You know, it's but not you're, no longer, like, you're no longer a student. Correct. They're, you know, with... Uh, now you have to actually, you know, basically stand on your own two feet and work.
1: Right. Um, and I, I did that for... I worked... I was at Louisiana for about a year and a half. Um, and I got... There were times that I wasn't doing good and there was times I was doing great. But the thing that I always fall back on and I will tell someone... um is you will never find a group of individuals that truly care about you, even when you're at your lowest. Um, And Narconon staff do. Um, There's times that have been real rough for me while I worked at Narconon, even after my program. Um, And everyone stood by me no matter what. Um, And now it's like I I ended up here at Suncoast, which I I love it here. Don't get me wrong, I still love my friends back at Louisiana. I can't thank them enough for giving me my life back. Um, but it's the same program here. Um, yep. and the people here care just as much as they do. And now I'm soon to, um, get married soon. Um, oh, congratulations. at some point in my life, I can see that happening. You know what I mean? Um, yep. That's real yep. for me.
0: You mean you I'm have eng- somebody you're going to marry or not?
1: Yet? Well, I'm not engaged, but I can see it going there. You know I what I mean? I
0: see. I see. Yeah. Okay. So I we're just that, putting it there. It's going to happen. Right.
1: I'm putting it in the universe. There,
0: <laughs> there you go. Um,
1: <laughs> but it's like, that's a reality for me now. I'm a, yep. I'm a stepdad now. Um, and things of like, I never saw it. Like it's only, I've only been off drugs about a little over two years. And so much in my life has changed that I never thought I could like looking back two years ago, I never thought my life would be here. I thought I'd been dead by now. Um, but this is what Narconon gave me. It gave me someone like a a significant other that actually loves me is there for me. Um, and we can talk about anything. And we also, she, she had a kid. Um, and now that that kid lives with us, it's like I'm a stepdad now. And I took the role on of being a father figure for, for her. Um, and that I never saw coming in my life. Um, <laughs> but this program gave me that, being giving me the tools I need to be responsible enough to have that in my life. Yep. Um, and still manage work and still manage everything else. Um, but this program gave me all of that.
0: Well, and, that's awesome. And I think the fact that you're staying there and you're working to help other people get to where you are, I just think that's huge. I know that happens often with the graduates from Narcanon because it's such there's so many people in the, in your environment there who have gone through what you've gone through. Right. And it it's a, yeah, it's a great program and I'm glad that you're staying there to to work there. I think that's great.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your story with us today. Um I I, I want to make sure that the listeners understand that you know right now Drew's life is where he wants it to be and if you if you're listening and you think you can't get there remember that there are many steps to recovery and there are many steps in the Narcanon program and he didn't arrive where he is now when he walked in the door he had def, def, definitely definite steps that he had to go through and um you can you can achieve it too if you want it that's right yep Well, once again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: No problem, Joni. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening. Today is Thanksgiving and want to just wish everybody a blessed Thanksgiving. I hope that you have a lot to be thankful for. I know that I do. And once again, if... You are addicted, or you have a loved one or a friend who is addicted. Please don't wait until after the holidays to get treatment. You run the risk of this being the last holiday ever, or not even reaching the holidays. But if you get into treatment now and you're in recovery and you're clean and sober, you'll have many, many more holidays to experience. So please don't wait get into treatment now. And I am thankful for everybody that's been on our podcast and everyone who will be on our podcast. I'm thankful for you because just the very fact that you're listening means that you want to do something about this situation. And that's huge. Have a great week. We'll be back again next week. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narcanon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program
1: based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.